Good afternoon. Um, I'm here to introduce this session. Um, first up is Dave Smith. Dave, give a wave. As the executive director of EAP, Dave supports technology development activities across BRF. He is responsible for the Entrepreneurial Accelerator Program, known as EAP, that stimulates the creation of entrepreneurial wealth through a system that analyzes the viability of ideas and products, matches them with informed investors, and nurtures them through the critical steps toward market. Dave has 32 years of extensive experience in government contracts and initiatives, university technology transfer, and early stage technology development. He has proven leadership in managing multi-million dollar government, industry, academia collaborations, and consortia, and has led all aspects of business development, including the development of strategic business direction, pricing, product channel development, and marketing. Dave also brings a wealth of knowledge in military affairs, national intelligence, policy development, and market strategy. As a senior military intelligence officer and successful business developer, he has led the development and launch of consumer technology product lines, accessing the cost and revenue implications of key market strategies. A graduate of the University of Louisiana at Monroe and a U.S. Army ROTC scholarship recipient, he received a regular Army commission through the ULM Army ROTC program. Dave received a Master of organizational management at the University of Phoenix and is a graduate of the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. Karen Chalmers, a financial analyst, joined EAP in September 2016 after completing a graduate level summer internship with the division. Originally, originally from Guyana, South America, Karen has lived in the Shreveport-Bosher area for 14 years. She possesses possesses a passion and eagerness to help early stage startups succeed and to develop educational programs in entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship for tertiary academic institutions. Karen's work experience includes the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, the Department of Veteran Affairs, and AT&T. Her areas of experience range from human resources, customer account management, and service to federal bank examinations, risk management, VA accounting, and beneficiary processing. She has a track record of developing and producing high-quality work products and more recently led the implementation of the first business model competition for the Louisiana State University in Shreveport. Karen holds a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration and a Master's of Business Administration, both from LSUS. Julie Gilly Milam, Senior Financial Analyst of the EAP, a division of the BRP, BRF, provides services to high growth entrepreneurs willing to locate to North Louisiana to spark economic development. Julie has over 18 years experience in corporate finance, financial markets, government contracts, and consulting. She has a proven record of producing high quality deliverables in the areas of program and project management, business project transformation, organizational change management, Six Sigma Lean, financial modeling, and business case plan development, while successfully leading diverse teams. 
As the program director for a Fortune 500 company and leader in business security, she successfully led a team of over 125 to plan for and design a multi-million dollar ERP implementation. Julie has gained her experience around the country in Washington, D.C., New York City, Indianapolis, Boca Raton, and North Louisiana. She received a Bachelor of Finance, I'm oh, sorry, Bachelor of Science in Finance from Louisiana State University A&M, and a Master of Business from Louisiana State University Shreveport. Jared Bevel, an entrepreneur in residence for the EAP, a division, well, yeah, I've already heard that part, uh, provides experience in a practical approach to evaluating and consulting early stage startups and existing businesses in our Norley pro program. As co-founder and managing partner of Red River Brewing Company in Shreveport, Jared has experience in raising private capital, debt financing, operations, and floor sweeping, a task of every early stage entrepreneur. Jared focuses on our Norley program, which assists startups and existing businesses across 21 parishes in North Louisiana. Prior to co-founding Red River Brewing Company and joining EAP, Jared started his career in physical practice management, sorry, physician practice management, and focused on financial analytics, physician compensation and productivity, managed care, and quality metrics. He has held board positions for several organizations in um, Shreveport Bossier and has received a Bachelor of Science in Finance from LSUS, sorry, LSU Baton Rouge, and a Master of Business from Louisiana Tech University. Welcome. Thank you. So I'll invite y'all to go ahead and get started with your presentation. Um, and Kelly, thank you for those introductions. I think I'm up first, right, Karen? Yes. And can everyone see my screen? Okay, great. Take it away, Dave. Hey, thanks, Kelly. Thanks for the great introductions and the rundown on the team. Um, it's really a pleasure to be here with you guys and kind of talk about, you know, entrepreneurship and everything it takes to actually launch a business in, in, in Louisiana, because our goal as an accelerator, and that's what we call ourselves, we're an accelerator in North Louisiana. We want to help individuals launch a business, or if you're an existing business, we want to help you grow that business and that's what we've done for the last six years like kelly said we're focused on technology-based businesses there's a lot of places in louisiana to go get help but if you're a technology-based business and you want to launch or you want to integrate technology into your uh, into your company you got a great introduction to some of the key eap team members here today they've all got experience in that and something we did uh, about a year ago is we went and got Jared to come in as our entrepreneur in residence so that we would have somebody that's launched a business in North Louisiana and has fought that fight and done it successfully and now is willing to help share some of the lessons learned. So you got a good introduction to the team. Um, we're excited to be here. 
and uh, please ask us questions if you got any we're, we're happy to answer them and with that i'm going to turn it right over to karen who's going to jump right into the lean canvas for you thank you dave and um, again welcome to everyone that um, will be watching these sessions so we at eap um, we are basically a team of financial and business analysts and we typically will walk uh, our clients through a process of business development. You can be a startup, uh, meaning that you are um, launching for the very first time, or you can be an existing business that wants to expand or grow your operations in various ways. So there are a set of tools that we typically will use to help entrepreneurs, to help business owners, make sure that they're making the right decisions, make sure that they're looking at all the various components of their business. So that's pretty much the, the essence of our presentation today. We will be walking you through the process that we do with, with our typical clients. So the first tool, and you may have heard of this before, it's called the Lean Canvas. So we will actually go through an example, but before we get started, um, I want you to first assess what exactly it is that you as an entrepreneur are doing. So um, there are two types of uh, business ventures as any individual or group may have. The first is a lifestyle and most people have heard of lifestyle businesses before. This is your typical mom and pop shop. Uh, they're usually small so you're thinking about your plumbing businesses, service industries, uh, restaurants, uh, legal services, it's usually something that is created for the life of the entrepreneur or the owner's um, duration. So uh, it's basically the backbone of any economy, whether it's a small town or a big city, small businesses pretty much keep uh, the, the local ecosystem going. With these types of businesses, it's usually low risk because you're providing a service or a product that most uh, uh, customers need on a regular basis. So think about um, the restaurants, considering uh, the current um, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, you had a lot of restaurants that were able to pivot and still provide a, you know, a, a product that everyone needs. Um, and usually there's moderate return. So when I say moderate return, I'm referring to um, the difference between a startup and a lifestyle business. A startup typically will grow very quickly in terms of their revenue and it could go uh, well into the hundreds of millions. Most times for lifestyle businesses, there's a cap on revenue. So there's usually not um, uh, you know, someone that's starting uh, a restaurant that's hoping to have like a $200 million exit at some point. In terms of the capital or the, the money that's needed to get the business started, it's usually quite low. And many times we, uh, we use this term bankable. Many times lifestyle businesses can easily go to the bank and collateralize uh, with uh, some sort of asset in order to get a, um, a loan to get your business started. And uh, as I mentioned before, there's a growth cap and then it is for the life of the entrepreneur or the business owner. And it can also be passed from generation to generation. So think about uh, those uh, family offices where you might have like four generations of dentists or um, a legal firm that is passed down from the father to like the daughter to the son. So that's pretty much your lifestyle business. On the other hand, you have what is referred to as startup. 
And remember that startup can be used interchangeably as well in terms of starting up. But a startup is typically some a business that starts really small, and then its intention or goal is to grow very quickly and uh, to have some sort of um, uh, exit. And when we say exit, it's either you sell all of your assets um, of the business to a larger firm, or you um, have some sort of IPO, which is an initial public offering, or in some cases you can have a merger. So you can merge with another firm that kind of complements the services or products that you offer and you become even bigger. So um, I always say uh, jokingly at the university, pitch competitions that we do, that um, most times someone that is, is going into a startup, they're wanting to have that $500 million exit and retire on a private island. Like that's pretty much it for them, or they want to make it into like a, a, um, an adrenaline type sport to where they do it over and over, which is what we call serial entrepreneurship. Um, so there's some great examples of that recently um, in Louisiana Waiter uh, was acquired. Um, it was upwards of like $250 million. And I think it was one of the largest acquisitions in Louisiana history of a Louisiana based um, startup, organic startup. Um, Fitbit, um, as you guys know, Google uh, recently uh, bought them and then WhatsApp, Facebook um, acquired them. So. As an entrepreneur, we want you to always know, am I starting a lifestyle business or am I going the startup route? Because depending on which one you choose, it's a completely different path. Now, um, for startups, of course, it's high risk, high growth. Um, most times you will need some sort of angel capital investment. So angels are smaller uh, ventures, initially like your seed stage. And then for venture capitalists, those are the guys that are trying to invest 20 million or more, 15 million or whatever. And then as I mentioned before, there's exponential growth and usually the exit occurs anywhere between three to seven years. So the Lean Startup actually um, came out of um, uh, 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 one of the universities, uh, um, the name is slipping me right now, but Steve Blank at uh, one of the universities in California, he pretty much um, had this idea years ago, but Eric Ries actually took it further and he wrote this book. So um, if you're looking for really good reading material for strategies, this is a great book that we recommend. And the five uh, new terms that I want you guys to focus on is um, customer focus, market focus, MVP, which is your minimum viable product, iterations or iterate and pivot. And I'll go ahead and explain the MVP, iteration, and pivot. So MVP is whether you are already in business or you're starting a business, this is very essential for you as the visionary to know what your minimum viable product is. So if you're creating some sort of app or a widget, you don't want to put uh, 20 features in there that um, the customers only use five. Like Dave Smith, our executive director, always says that um, don't go crazy with the feature barrier or, or whatever. Try to find the most essential features that you think customers need most, and that is your minimum viable product. You push it out to customers, get feedback, and then you make iterations, which are slight changes to your original product or your strategy. And then pivot, on the other hand, is a completely different strategic change. So if you're building a, a, an app um, that helps the elderly, 
and then you figure out, wait a minute, elderly people don't really use um, applications as much. Maybe I need to sell it to their children. That would be a, a huge pivot in the market, market that you're targeting. So now this is your traditional lean canvas. If you were to um, Google lean canvas, you would see exactly this. And I want, to, want you all to notice the difference that this is a lean canvas and it's used for new businesses, ideas, or technology. This is a business model canvas, which is different. This is for existing businesses. So um, uh, if you were starting a new business, you would wanna focus here where it says problem solution. If you are already in business, you wanna focus here where it says key partners and key activities. So today, um, you guys are probably wondering, okay, we're talking a lot about lean canvases, but we haven't mentioned anything about the business plan. So the business plan um, has evolved and the main reason why is the Tyson's Law. So Mike Tyson, many of you may be familiar with the boxer from back in the day, he would always say that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, the world of entrepreneurship and starting a business is sort of like that. Like you always, you know, write on your business plan that I'm gonna do all these wonderful one, two through five steps. And then uh, within three years, I'm gonna be driving a Ferrari and I'm gonna be rich. And then after the first six months, it, it turns out to be a lot harder than you think, which is why one of the key features for um, entrepreneurs to be successful is tenacity and resilience because you will get punched in the face um, in the world of business and you have to be able to pick yourself back up, make those iterations or make the pivots when necessary. So um, in using the minimal viable product, the main thing that you need is feedback. And we are going to go ahead and do an example of the Lean Canvas. Uh, this is what we have adapted at EAP. We've added two sections, the vision on top, and then at the bottom where it says community impact. So we're gonna do an example. So the very first thing you wanna do is write the name of your business on top, and we can provide templates um, We'll definitely uh, give you a template so that you can work on this yourself. Um, you want to go ahead and date it and then put iteration one. So uh, the point of having a lean canvas is so that you can do it very quickly and if something changes a month from now you just go back scratch it out and write whatever the new thing is. So EcoFresh, um, uh, we're going to start with the problem which is number one. So the problem that your business is addressing. So this is, an, uh, uh, in this area, which would be Shreveport, uh, Bozer, there are no non-toxic or eco-friendly cleaners in the area. So it's a wide open market. So very simply state whatever the problem or opportunity you think that your business will solve. And then you wanna go ahead and list your alternatives, which would be your traditional dry cleaning services. Then you go over to, to option two where you want to list your customer segment and your customer segment is basically the customers that will utilize your product or your service so b to c is basically business to consumers and we can also provide um, a glossary of terms because a lot of times uh, the world of entrepreneurship can be a different language and it can be a bit overwhelming for some people so we have a glossary of terms that we can provide as well 
So this uh, business will target health conscious individuals of an organic lifestyle maybe, uh, people that are earth friendly or tree huggers, uh, <laughs> some people like to say, uh, college educated because um, many times you have to know why toxins are, are not good as to uh, why you may wanna pay a little bit more. And then the, between the ages of 25 to 55. And then the solution, you wanna be able to state very concisely what your solution is. Don't worry about, um, you know, in the business plan where you write this wonderful book of information, just very succinctly say what it is. And it's basically establishing a business, an eco cleaner uh, in downtown Shreveport. Um, and then for your unique value proposition, it's basically, what is your secret sauce? So um, many times for technology-based businesses, it could be um, a patent, it could be a trade secret or some, um, uh, uh, some sort of intellectual property that uh, no one else has access to. For this business, it is a non-toxic um, dry cleaning service that has a secret formula and it's also offering um, a more healthier option to customers. So the unfair advantage is basically the secret formula because you, um, you know, if you put yourself in the entrepreneur's shoe, maybe you were practicing for a long while and you figured out a much um, healthier and non-toxic way to get stains out of clothing and everything else. So you have a secret formula. Now, many people will get confused with number four and number five. So unique value proposition is within the business. Like what exactly you're offering your customers. Your unfair advantage is over the competition. So what is it that you have that puts you at an advantage over your competition? And then for your channels here, it's basically how will you communicate your offering to your customers? And in the virtual world that we live in today, the most easy way is social media. So you wanna establish your social media accounts, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever is applicable or complimentary for your service. You also can use traditional forms like television billboards um, and all the different ways that you can reach customers. Uh, of course, social media is the most cost-effective and um, now Google ads and all the various things that we can do makes it a lot more efficient for you to get to that customer that you need to get to. And then for your revenue streams, number seven, it's basically how does your business make money? Uh, for this business, it will be dry cleaning services, rug cleaning services, and offering the non-toxic solution so that people can take it home and use it at home, at home as well. For your key metrics, this is basically how do you measure success? So as an entrepreneur that's running a business, eventually you may start off working in the business, but then you will have to take a step back and work on your business. So you have employees and you wanna be able to measure how successful your employees are running your business. So for this particular entrepreneur, they want to measure customer growth. So if you start off with 10 customers, and you're a year in and you're still at 10 customers, something's not working. So either you need to change your marketing or your product is too expensive or 
um, it's not working as efficiently as you think. So you need to be able to measure the growth of your business. And uh, they're also looking at customer retention. So if you have a customer that comes in and they're happy and you never see like 90% of your customers come back, you have a problem that you need to assess. And then finally, customer reviews. As we know now, um, uh, everyone is online and everyone has an opinion and opinions can ruin a business. So you definitely always want to track how uh, customers and people are rating as well as reviewing your business. And for number nine, I'm sorry, where it says cost structure, it's basically what are the costs pre as well as post launching your business that you will have to uh, uh, go ahead and pay for so that you can get going. So for this business, it would be, you need a building, so you need a facility, you need your equipment, supplies, you need a point of sale system. Uh, most likely you'll have some employee training that will, be have to, that will have to be done before you get started, as well as marketing, websites, insurance, and all that good stuff. So the point of doing this lean canvas is for you to document all of the essential components of your business, document those assumptions initially, and then try to match it with the numbers and the strategies so that you can get your business started or you can assess where you are right now in your business. And as I mentioned before, we added two categories, um, vision, because it's always important for you to keep in mind, where am I taking this business? Is it a lifestyle business to where I might wanna do this for the rest of my life? Is it a side um, hustle or a side job to where I just wanna do this while I keep my professional job? Or am I trying to have some sort of um, you know, exit to where I'm trying to attract a large companies to buy me in the future? So for this particular example, um, the owner wants to establish a national franchise. So this could potentially be a startup or it could potentially be a lifestyle business. And then at the bottom where uh, we want to have some sort of community impact, uh, one of the key features that we have noticed um, a lot of angel investment groups are looking for in startups is some sort of community impact. Uh, no longer are people wanting to invest in businesses that are just going uh, for making a profit. They want to make sure that there's a financial profit, but there's also a social good. So how can your business create or generate social good for your um, people in your community or for the environment? So this particular business um, can create social good for the environment because if you do your research, um, you'll see that the toxins that are used in dry cleaning services, um, it really takes a load on the environment and our sewage and um, you know ocean systems and so forth and then for people uh, many people have allergies and so forth and they never really know what what is calling, causing the allergies and sometimes it could be the cleaning product that they're using so that's pretty much the lean canvas the eap modified version and um, the main point to keep in mind is that you want to be very concise Brevity is an art form. So being brief can sometimes take a while for some people. I know for me, I, I can be a bit long-winded, um, but it, from being, uh, doing it over and over and practicing, you will learn how to say what you mean the first time in, in few words. 
the lean canvas, you should be able to, to complete it in 15 minutes or less. If you're spending an hour on a lean canvas, you're doing it wrong. You're, going, you're getting into writing a business plan and the point is to use it as a quick tool and then start making steps based on your assumptions. You also want to get feedback. And this is where services like the um, Nacative Chamber as well as EAP and all of the different accelerators and incubators and um, uh, chamber of commerces that are in local communi communities um, can help you give you feedback on your business and help you develop your business as well. So make sure you get feedback, even from family members or partners. Uh, just tell them what you're trying to do. Of course, if there's some sort of intellectual property, you want to uh, establish a non-disclosure agreement. Um, but try to get as many eyes on your um, idea that you trust and you trust that they will give you honest feedback. And then finally, if you're getting feedback and everyone is telling you, let's say um, we sh you know, went ahead and discussed with some uh, trusted partners that I want to start a EcoFresh cleaner in Shreveport. And everyone is telling you, I'm not going to pay uh, you know, $10 more for something. And you keep hearing it over and over. You either need to make an iteration or you need to completely pivot and do something else. So that's pretty much the Lean Canvas in a nutshell. And um, definitely, if you have questions, just write it down, and we will be more than happy to answer those questions um, after we get done. And with that, I will go ahead and hand it over to Jared, and he will be presenting the financial section. All right. Thank you, Karen. Let me uh, share my screen here. Okay, I think that's got that. Can, can everyone see that? Uh, so thanks, Karen. I appreciate it. That leads uh, directly into the financials. Uh, as mentioned earlier, my name is Jared Bevel. Um, I am one of the analysts here at EAP. Uh, my official title is Entrepreneur in, in Residence. Um, I um, started, co-founded Red River Brewing Company, which is located in Shreveport. Uh, we started in uh, my garage and then eventually uh, moved into a bigger garage and then went through a private capital raise and then also did some uh, bank financing to actually scale and grow our business. So uh, when, we t when I go over these financials today, I guess two key points. One, if you're not a uh, financial analyst, that's okay. Hopefully, I'll give some, some practical knowledge to this if you're just a, a normal business person and, and maybe get a, a little better understanding of, of some of the financial items that you need when you're going to a bank to try to grow. And also, um, I may talk through the lens of beer a little bit, so hopefully that won't bore everybody, but at least you'll understand why, why I'm using that, that, that terminology. All right, so uh, what is financial modeling? Well, what, we're, what, what you do in financial modeling is we're, we're trying to build, uh, the fancy way to say this is we're building an abstract representation of a real world financial situation. So let's say uh, normally if you're, if you're having a dream and you're, and you're dreaming about a car and maybe you know, you're really just thinking about the outside of the car and, 
and how pretty it looks. Well, financial modeling is, is actually all the pieces and parts that go into that car that help it go. So what type of horsepower is it? What type of tires is it? And, and how does it actually uh, move? Uh, how is it gonna actually move? And so why do you wanna know about this or why is it important? Well, as, as we think of it from an EAP process, the financial model is one of the two key things that you're going to use when you're either going to go to a private investor or go to a bank to try to get funding. So it's one of the key assets that we help businesses or entrepreneurs build as, as part of our service at EAP. And what you're going to do uh, when you're when you're using these financial models is you know, when we're, when we're trying to use those, you're going to add in all your costs uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about operating your business, starting your business, you know, what goes into, uh, so for, for, for Red River Brewing Company, for starting our business, uh, what kind of equipment did we need? How much did it cost? What was our initial inventory that we needed? Uh, did we need to have any intellectual property? Uh, did we need uh, an operating agreement? Those type of things. So you're gonna use this because at the end of the day, you're gonna add up all these costs and they're gonna tell you how much money you need. And then the other, another key component is, is when you're thinking about growing your business, how fast is it gonna grow? How much reinvestment are you gonna have to, have to do? Where are those sources of, of reinvestment funds gonna come from? And then from, when you think from a budgeting and forecasting standpoint, if you recognize that, that based on your business, whatever it is, if it, let's say if it's a restaurant or something that's, that has seasonality to it, so maybe it's a little bigger around Christmas and a little leaner in the summer, it's gonna let you plan for that and store away some of the money that you make in, the, in more of the boom times to kind of be able to weather the slower times. And then ultimately, you're gonna also be able to use financial modeling for valuing your business. So how much is it worth? Um, you know, how much is someone, is, is, how much are they uh, willing to pay for it? Because ultimately when you, when you build a business, if you're, if you're successful in doing that, and this is a key thing that a lot of people, uh, when Karen talked earlier about the difference between maybe a lifestyle business and a startup business, is if you're not looking at the end of the movie and thinking about how you're going to sell your business or how you're going to exit it, then you're really, you're, you're really just creating a job uh, that nobody wants to buy jobs. People want to buy a business that runs on its own um, because if, if everybody's got a job and everybody's trying to move out of a job into a real business. So the valuation is directly going to correlate into the acquisition side of it and how successful that you are in selling your business. So when we talk through um, the, the, the key points of, of the financial statements and what we help build, there's really three main items that, that, that are utilized. You have the income statement, which is generally called like the P&L or profit or loss. You have the cash flow statement, uh, which is, which is going to sh you know, show how the money moves in, in, in and out of your business, your cash does, and then your balance sheet. And so we'll, we'll talk through uh, these three items, why each of them is important and how they're used. Um, so initially, we're, your P&L is, kind of, is kind of generally where you start on, on the um, on the financial modeling, and we break those into two categories. You've got your, your pre-launch uh, expenses, uh, and really you don't really have any revenue pre-launch, so we'll talk on the expense side of that. And then you have what we call the survival period uh, items. And so you'll have revenue and expenses um, that, are, that are added together to, to, for that. 
So for your pre-launch, um, you know, this is where you have to think about, okay, um, we're, we're moving out of maybe the hobby phase and I'm gonna start spending some money. This is when I'm really gonna kind of push the boulder down the hill. So some of the things that a lot of people don't think about when they're starting a business, especially if you're starting with partners, uh, what's an operating agreement cost? You know, some legal fees that are associated with that. I mean, you know, going out and registering for an LLC is, is, is really relatively cheap. You can do that for a couple hundred dollars. You can go get your, uh, your, your CP 575 for, for next to nothing. But if you have partners or you're going to raise money, you're going to need an operating agreement and, and, and you're going to need some, some money to, to, to do that. And depending upon how sophisticated it is, you're going to, you may spend a lot of money there. You're also going to want to look at doing some advertising probably because you're want, you're going to want to create some demand that is leading up to your launch. You may have to go out and, and you know source equipment so you may go to conferences or trade shows or you may be looking at making contacts with vendors or suppliers you may have to go out and 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 train employees or send them to externships or things of that nature these are all things that that really take place before you even take revenue in and and they can be fairly expensive so those uh, those generally are going to go into the PL side and you're going to really need to to have a really good as best as you can budget or estimation of what those are. And then once you launch your business, uh, when generally a, a one to three year period, hopefully it's on, it's on the shorter end, you're gonna have what we call the survival period. And so this is the period of time of when you start making revenue into when the business is actually self-sustaining. So you're gonna have this, this expense line that's running and you've got your revenue line that hopefully crosses it at some point and knowing when that takes place and how much money you need during that gap is critical. And so these expense items are different. Your pre-launch expense items were, were generally uh, one-time expenses, hopefully, and then your operational or your survival period expenses are what, what you're generally thinking of your fixed operational expenses. So, you know, your lease, uh, any of your ongoing equipment or supplies that you're gonna buy, of course, your water, your electric, your utilities, Insurance is a big one that people don't think about, especially if you're, if you're going to have um, a product. A lot of times you're going to have, maybe in, depending upon what type of business that you're in, that could be a pretty significant expense that, that, that a lot of people, it's kind of sneaky. Um, lawyer or, or, or accountant or bookkeeper, uh, if you have a good lawyer or accountant or bookkeeper, they're generally worth their weight in gold. Um, and, and they'll also help you in, 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 handling your financials going forward as well. Your inventory is another big thing that, that a lot of people, uh, they, they don't set the money aside. So you buy, you, you buy the, um, the initial inventory or the items that go into making your widget or your service. And then when it's time to rebuy, if you haven't put the money aside and budgeted correctly, uh, you're in a cash crunch, you start tapping into lines of credit, things of that nature. Your employee salaries, and this is generally your biggest expense in most businesses. Um, it may run up to, you, depending upon what type of business you use, um, but it may run up to 40 or 50%. And so that, that, that's a really key item. And people, a lot of things that people miss out on on those as well are your payroll taxes, your, your benefits that you're going to want to include. If you're going to try to lure people out of the, the, uh, the, the, the corporate industry and onto your pirate ship to, to in your startup, you're going to need to... Uh, provide some pretty good benefits for those folks. And then you, of course, you've got some, some miscellaneous expenses as well. So all of these items, when we add them together, 
your, your pre-launch and your survival period expenses, they're gonna ultimately get you to how much money you need to raise to be successful. So these things are really, really critical to get right. You never get them 100% right, but as best as you can, and that's why hopefully working with, with someone like EAP or ourselves, that we can really help you get these things done correctly, they're gonna give you a lot better uh, chance at, at success. Um, so moving away from the P&L and talking through the balance sheet, so your balance sheet is when you're really looking at your assets um, minus your liabilities gives you your, your owner's equity or really what, what people view as the, the true value of your business. So let's talk about your assets. So that's going to be maybe your equipment or if you own a building or let's say you have some intellectual property uh, or maybe short-term assets, those are going to be your assets and your liabilities are going to be what you owe on those things. So let's say you have, a bank note on a building or a bank note on equipment, or maybe you have a line of credit or accounts payable for your inventory, um, those would be subtracted out. And then the difference between those two uh, items is gonna be your owner's equity or retained earnings. And so a lot of times when people are looking at valuing a business, that, that piece of it is, is what they're looking at. And so those, those are really critical as we, as we harken back to what we were talking about earlier about valuation and acquisition those items are critical as you do that. And then the last one that we, that we focus on is the cash flow statement. And so your cash flow statement is going to show kind of how your cash is, is moving in and out of the business. If you have different sources of, 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 of revenue and cash that are coming in and then how that's actually flowing out. And then depending upon, you know, valuation, you may be able to, to pull some of the, you know, the EBITDA, the earnings uh, before expenses of, you know, depreciation, taxes, amortization, those type of items. And so we really help you put those three items together and, and they're really critical. So then let's talk about uh, moving away from just the, the financial statements. Let's talk about sources of capital. So Karen earlier talked about uh, a mom and pop or a lifestyle business. Um, the first initial set of, 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 of when we're thinking of, of sources of capital is self-financing or bootstrapping or pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. So let's say you, you've had a good job or maybe you have some savings. If you're starting a lifestyle business or maybe, or maybe an e-commerce business or, or consulting business that requires you know, very little initial pre-launch or survival capital, then you can maybe do that by self-financing. So um, you need to be careful here, but, but generally, um, if you want to start small or, or even if you want to grow into a, a true startup businesses, business, a lot of people start out here in the self-financing self realm. Uh, the next round that, that, that we would view or the next source, depending upon whether you're doing a, maybe a, a lifestyle or a, or a startup, or maybe you've, you've bootstrapped and now it's time to hit the next phase, is what's generally called the friends and family round. And as we talk through these next sets of, of sources of capital, um, I've heard it mentioned a few times, and we actually did this with my business. We went to uh, three different uh, friends and family members raised uh, initial round of capital. And then when you go to the next round, it's really important if you have a successful friends and family round. And one of the reasons is if you want, if you're gonna give up on your friends and family, uh, then you're going to probably give up on investors that you don't know. So a lot of times investors and in maybe the second or third round like to see that you went through a, fan, a friends and family round. When we talk about tenacity and resiliency, um, when you borrow money from friends or family, 
uh, and you have to see them at Christmas or at holidays or birthday parties, you're probably going to be pretty careful with the money. And so um, people, it's almost like a vetting process sometimes when you, when you move on to, to private investors, they really like to see that you've had a friends and family round. And generally these rounds are not as big as, as maybe these are kind of a bridge between maybe a commercial loan or the private investors that we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, so speaking of commercial loans, so, you know, one of the reasons that you really need good financial modeling is if you're going to go to a bank and sit down with a banker, you're going to need to know your numbers backwards and forwards, and you're going to need to explain where they came from. And um, if you have input costs, you know, when, when you're sitting down and you're talking about, in, in our case, when I'm talking about what goes into a glass of beer, I need to be able to intelligently talk about it took this much malt and this much hops and this much yeast and a bottle cost this and a label cost X and Y. And so if you're in, if you're in a, a different business and, and you're going to sit down and try to talk with a banker and, and, and ask them for money, you're really going to need to know your numbers backwards and forwards, how much your lease cost, etc. Now the stakes go up a little bit here because you're going to need some type of collateral to get a bank loan. And this can be in different forms. So let's say uh, your house, for instance, or you have some land, uh, or the, uh, the, the one that's, that's really fun that, that, that you get involved with sometimes is personal guarantees. So when you go to a bank, just know that that's kind of what you're walking into, that those guys, um, they're in the positions that they are for a reason, they're risk mitigators, and a lot of times they're betting on you. They're not betting so much on the, on the business but that being said, the more assets or collateral that you can bring to the table, the more comfort they're going to have in lending to you. So uh, another lesser known source of capital is state or local lending programs. So sometimes that's called, uh, there's one in Louisiana called the Lyft Fund. There's a small and emerging business fund. These are things that uh, I would definitely recommend looking into because these can be, um, you know, either really favorable loan terms or they can be uh, sometimes grants or things like of that nature, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But sometimes these programs can, it, depending upon the qualification that's involved, the, the personal guarantees may go out the window. So these may be a little more favorable, but again, it all ties back to the financials. You're really gonna have to have all of that information really airtight to be able to successfully get one of these programs as well. And then when you're really moving into a more robust phase of uh, beyond the friends and family round, um, you know, when you're, when you're really trying to raise a little more money, private investors or angel investors or, or what's called family offices and family offices is, is maybe, um, you know, a, 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 a family fund that can, that generally in an area may invest in businesses. And sometimes they, they view it maybe more as a civic duty, but they generally want to return. And so they're going to, they're going to vet it pretty hard as well. But these folks are, are more sophisticated investors. They're, they're, um, they're on the level of a bank or, or maybe even more sophisticated than that. They probably see a lot of deals, but they're going to want a, a return as well. And they're going to want to know what your exit is. And they're going to want to know what your plan is. If you're just trying to run a lifestyle business, this probably isn't the best source of capital, although I have seen it done. But if you're in your, if you're really trying to build a startup, the private investor route is is a is a really good route to go. But again, they're they're really going to want to see the financial model and the numbers behind it. 
And uh, another reason that this may be a, a good attractive method is you're not gonna have to bring collateral to the table or, or personal guarantees. Now, what you are gonna do is you're gonna give up some equity in your business generally, but there's all different ways that, that that's done either through revenue-based lending or they may actually take a, an equity position or ownership in your business, but that's generally gonna be negotiated between uh, the entrepreneur or the business owner and the private investor. And then venture capital, which, uh, you know, Karen brought in a waiter earlier, venture capital is a whole nother gear of, of sources of capital. That's when we're talking about when you're getting into the second or third or maybe even fourth round of capital. You, you really don't have to really think about this on the front end generally because venture capitalists are going to take a significant portion of equity generally and, and they're going to get in in the round right before maybe you go public or maybe they're the, if you're going to stay private, they're the last source of funding. But they're going to bring in a really, um, this is going to be a, a pretty sophisticated investment generally, and they're going to bring in a lot of capital and they're going to want to see a lot of exponential growth. But a lot of the, you know, when you think about the sexier big name entrepreneurs or businesses that uh, unicorns that are Silicon Valley type investment, these are the guys that are that are in the, the the venture capital realm, and they're and they're taking on significant investment, and they're taking they're looking for a really big return. Um, and then a, a, another lesser known source of capital is is non dilutive capital or grants, and these are really great because when we talk about non dilutive, this is a non equity position, and there's and there's not going to be any type of of debt instrument associated with it. So you're not going to be on the hook for a personal guarantee. You're not mortgaging your house, but you have to have experience or work with someone that has experience in grant writing. So uh, whether they're, you know, we see SBIR grants or AppWork grants, um, but generally there's spe very specific uses of the funds, but we've seen several businesses come through or several startups come through e the EAP process that have been very, very successful in getting grants and it's been, it's been a great capital source for those guys. And again, it all goes back to hey, how much equity can you hang on to at the end of the day? And you don't have a huge monkey on your back of a bank note like you do in, in the bank financing component as well. And then of course there, there's, there's crowdfunding and this is, you know, this is kind of the last one we kind of throw out there, whether it's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, you know, you've seen these things generally the way this is structured is you go out to their platform, you say, hey, look, I've got an idea for, you know, whatever your idea is, I'm, I'm gonna create this really cool eco-friendly beehive. If you'll invest in it, you know, and there's different structures, if you're gonna put $100 in, I'm gonna give you a t-shirt. If you're gonna put $1,000 in, maybe you get one of the first, you know, 10 prototypes, what have you. But generally these don't require um, any type of, of equity that's given up or, the, the bank, or excuse me, the debt piece of it is, is not there either. So you're generally doing an exchange. They're giving you capital and you're giving them some type of either recognition through, um, you know, you're putting a plaque on your wall or you're giving them a t-shirt or you're giving them a product that's a, that's a pre-sale type thing. And so if you're, um, you know, this could be in between a mom and pop or a lifestyle business and a startup. And if you're a startup and you're really kind of at the beginning phases and you're trying to do that minimum viable option that, that, that was discussed earlier, this can be a really great source because again, you're not giving up any equity and, uh, and, and, and there's really not a whole lot of strings attached. 
So when we talk about sources of capital, the, one of the reasons that, that it's extremely important, this is just a, um, a, a little study that was put out. If you see the, the, the number two reason that businesses go out of business or startups fail is because they run out of cash. And so that can happen in a number of ways. So you can either um, underfund completely, uh, which means that maybe, maybe you, your initial estimates on what your, what your um, pre-launch costs were, maybe you were really, really wrong on how much it was gonna take at the beginning, or maybe your survival period costs were, were underestimated. Maybe it took you, maybe you only estimated a year for you to get to profitability and it was gonna take two to three years. But generally, you know, you see the three reasons here that are circled, and I'm going to talk to those, uh, these talking points a little bit later when we talk about tips for success. But running out of cash, if you don't know your numbers, you're not going to know how much capital you need or how much your raise is going to be. So your financial modeling is ultra critical, not just for trying to source capital, but knowing how much capital you need, because there's no missions without means. And if you run out of money, you're dead. So, uh, you know, a quick recap of why financial modeling is important. We just kind of talked through your, your pre-launch cost. Uh, it can kill you if, you if you don't know how much that is and you're not really conservative. Um, it helps you project that, that and, and survive through that survival range. It helps you project those expenses during that period. And we really didn't talk about the revenue so much, but that's, that's generally... Um, you're going to need to, during that financial model, not just throw numbers out there that fill in holes, but how are you, if you put a revenue number out there, how are you actually going to hit that? Is it achievable? And how big of a market do you need to launch into? And how many customers do you need? And, and how much does it cost to bring those customers in? All that kind of ties together and is really important. And so and then the last component is all, when you add all these three these three things together, they're going to really steer what your, what your source of capital options are going to be. So, you know, again, we talked about whether you're going to be a lifestyle business or a startup. If, if you're going to be a lifestyle business, thinking in the vein of venture capital or really even private investors is probably, probably not the best route. You probably need to be thinking about friends and family bootstrapping or maybe a local bank, especially someone that you bank with. Um, Conversely, if you are going to go the startup route, then, um, then you, know, you need to build your business out on the front end to be able to, to achieve that. You're going to need really robust financial modeling to do that. So uh, that's kind of a quick overview of financial modeling. Okay. Thanks, Jared. So I will um, go ahead and present uh, the brand development. So let me share my screen. Are we good? Okay, great. So um, again, whether you are starting a new business or you are in business, your brand is one of the most uh, essential components of your business. And why? Because Many times it's the first contact with customers. It is seeing your name, your logo, or your tagline. Um, it's very important that you are communicating the right message to your customers, as well as anyone that may co come in contact with your brand. So first, 
many, many entrepreneurs make this mistake uh, and it's important for you to know what the mistake is. So, hey, you have an idea, you wanna go ahead and start a business and you want a logo. So you'll either do like an app to create a logo or you'll go to like the student uh, that's in graphic design and you'll tell them, create me a logo that's really nice. So you get this really good looking logo that you think will work well, but it's missing a lot of components or it's not put together um, structurally correct. So uh, these are things that they teach, you know, most uh, marketing professionals know this, but many times, depending on where you go, you don't necessarily get what you need. So there are three components to a logo. First, there's the name, you have the image or the, the logo or the, the brand mark, and then you have a tagline. So the most famous uh, example that I could think of as an example would be Nike. So many times you have some products that just have the name on it, some products that just have the swoosh, and some products that just have to just do it. But I can guarantee you if anyone were to say just do it, everyone knows that we're talking about Nike. And if ever you saw the swoosh, everyone knows that we're talking about Nike. So you have to have those three components that even if you just use the mark, people will be able to know that that is your brand. So whenever you choose a graphic designer or you use a free online software, make sure you incorporate all three different components because depending on whatever it is, let's say you wanna um, do a sticker for your product or create a t-shirt, if you have an image that has like um, uh, people on it or a whole bunch of colors, it can be very expensive or hard to print that effectively on a t-shirt or um, on a, a, a box or something else. So you as the entrepreneur that is knowledgeable about this, you need to guide your graphic designer and let them know that, yeah, I know you can do some really cool stuff, but make sure that I have these three images. And also it would be good whenever they send you the final file, make sure you get the original vector file. Um, and also you can have them isolate the three components so that you can use it differently uh, on your website or on your merchandise or whatever. Uh, for the, uh, and this actually is a good example of Airbnb, how they got started. So you see, they started kind of with the air bubble and then somebody kind of told them you need a mark. <laughs> and uh, you can see here, they included a mark as well as the Airbnb and, and the tagline. Remember that your tagline is uh, very important that it's seven words or less. So uh, a great example is I can probably rattle off a bunch of taglines and without even saying the name of the business, you know what it is. So if I said eat fresh, everybody knows that's Subway. Um, I think I said one that kind of dated me. I said easy, breezy, beautiful. And the class looked at me like, what? <laughs> and I was like, cover girl. And they're like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is a very young crowd. So, um, you know, I mentioned Just Do It. Uh, there are several out there um, to where uh, we have been culturalized to just knowing the tagline, but we also know the brand that goes along with it. All right. One second. Okay, the other component with your brand is actually colors. So, uh, in the, the world that we live in, since we were probably babies, we have been culturalized to think certain emotions when we see certain colors. 
So for example, if uh, I started a business and it's a gym and the brand on the gym is in all pink or hot pink, uh, what type of customers do you think would actually come to my gym? I, I probably alienated an entire segment of the population by putting a pink sign up. Uh, it's the same thing with other industries. For instance, if you ever, um, you can do the test, look at every main food franchise in America, whether it's McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, um, Subway, you can just name it. They either have red or yellow in their brand. And red is actually the most common because it, it usually uh, indicates desire, um, fire, flavor, flame, passion, that type of stuff. So most businesses that are in the in the food industry will have some sort of red in their in their um, branding or, or color scheme. You don't want to do, go too crazy on the colors, so we recommend typically anywhere between one to three colors. So maybe one primary and two secondary colors, like a gray or a black or something. Uh, there are very few companies that can do a lot of colors well. Google is probably the most famous that they have like six or, or more colors but uh, not everyone is a Google, so keep it simple. And make sure that you Google either the color psychology wheel and look, what the, look at what the different colors indicate. So blue is usually trust, honesty, um, authority, sincerity, or serenity, and intelligence. So a lot of the service or um, you know, blue collar jobs or industries will choose uh, blue as a color. And we all know that green is always eat fresh or uh, yoga or so you know it can be serenity as well so that's just something to keep in mind and it's very interesting you can google this as well to see how very common it is in uh, across various industries that everyone gets it but most times as a new entrepreneur you're going in there just completely oblivious oblivious to the fact that there's a language even in color for businesses and the logos. So that's pretty much it. I just wanted to uh, just remind everyone it's something very simple, but it can actually make a huge difference with your business. We actually had a business here in um, Shreveport and it was a restaurant and the color was dark blue. And every time I passed by this restaurant, I would I would just be like, who, would someone tell them that's the wrong color? And within probably like a year, they were out of business. And oftentimes I would tell people like, do you know about that business on that food business on whatever drive? And they're like, no, I've never really noticed it. Reason being is that most times we do it subliminally or subconsciously that when we're looking for food, we will look for certain colors. So that's why they, they put the stick all the way or the sign all the way up in the sky and it's either red or yellow. Uh, the other things you also want to make sure that you uh, consider is your mission statement, be concise, be simple, your vision statement, uh, and your values. So the difference between your mission and your vision is your mission is what you do every single day. So you might say that you want to provide, uh, if we were to go back to our original example, um, you want to provide non-toxic cleaning services for the local community. That's your mission. Your vision is more so what you want to do uh, in the long run. So the vision was really they wanted to establish a national franchise. And for values, these are the, the things that are important to you as an individual. Uh, this may be ethical, it may be 
things that you hold true to. So this is what you want to communicate to your employees that uh, it could be something as we will respect every single customer that comes in the door, or we will have trust, or we will have um, you know, reliability in our service or uh, friendliness. So these are the values that you need to go ahead and list and you communicate these values to your customers as well as anyone else that may come in contact with your business. And uh, you can, again, do a Google search and you can see some examples of um, mission and vision statements from some of the most popular com companies out there. Uh, the most common one I heard or most famous one is Google. And I don't have the, oh yeah, it's here. But before they had that statement, their mission was actually, we want to have the world of information available at one click. And back in the 90s, that was a crazy statement to, to make, but here we are years later and that's exactly what they did. So um, that's pretty much it for the branding section. And I'll go and run through the one page executive summary. Again, if you have questions on branding or uh, any questions from the financial modeling section, make sure you write it down. So the one page executive summary is basically a business card for your business. So as a professional or as someone that is uh, doing a job, you have a business card that has all your information and what you do on it. You need one for your business as well. And this can also get you in the door with an investor or a potential partner. It's brevity and it's best. And this quote I always uh, like to share, it says that, it is my ambition to say in 10 sentences what others say in an entire book or in a whole book. So this is the one page executive summary. And we typically will put this together for the businesses that we work with. And I will run through the different sections. So at the very top, you want to go ahead and list out when you were founded, the industry, your initial product. FTE stands for full-time employees. Many times it's just one. Contractors, if you have someone that you're working with on a contract, state it. The company stage for a startup, it would be um, the seed stage or the startup stage. And then your monthly burn. Uh, this is basically how much of, uh, uh, what are your costs on a monthly basis that you're spending? And I know these are all acronyms and terminologies that you may not be familiar with, but we will also provide that term terminology list that I mentioned. So the next section here, is um just give me one second i'm having mouse issues so ip so intellectual property if you have any listed if you don't delete it capital raised you want to express like if you had a, a friends and family around or if you invested your own money you want to list it there and then for financial information how much money are you seeking all right so, and then the other thing that a potential investor or bank or someone might want to know is how do you plan on using these resources? So this goes back to the financial section and the financial modeling. Uh, many organizations, the SBDC, um, uh, uh, EAP, we can help you with all this information. So don't feel like you have to do this all by yourself. Your go-to market strategy, it's a very clear, concise statement on how you intend 
to get your product or your service to the market. So this is very simple. It's an online sales campaign targeting Generation C. And for your competition, you want to state uh, essentially what gives you the edge up. And if you uh, uh, are paying attention here, you'll notice that this is basically a replica of the one-page executive summary. So the one, uh, I'm sorry, of the Lean Canvas. So the Lean Canvas is for internal use and the one-page executive summary is for ex external use. So you're transferring the information from all of your feedback and your refining onto your finalized document. And for the management team, you definitely want to make sure that you are not the only person um, on uh, your team. So, and obviously one person is not a team. Um, you need to list your basic background. If you're a student, you can list your degree or if you have, have like a part-time job. Definitely if you're a professional, you need to list your experience and how it correlates to your business or the industry. And if you don't have a partner, it's good to have an advisor or uh, someone else that you can put on here. And many times people from the, the local chamber of commerce, uh, we as analysts typically will be on a team as an advisor or a consultant. So have someone else listed here as well. You can even use a family member that has experience in the industry. Contact information, very important. Many times you will meet someone or we have had it to where we've talked to someone and they had a great idea at an event, but we don't know, we can't remember anything. We just remember we had this great conversation. So just go ahead and list all your contact information. At the top, branding, logo like we mentioned, tagline and, and name. And then uh, this section here is a replica of your lean canvas. So here is where you have to very succinctly type everything out that you determine from your Lean Canvas. And I, I won't go through here because we already did that on um, the Lean Canvas section. And then at the bottom, it's a summary of the financials that Jared was referring to that we, as well as other organizations in your local community can help you put together. And after we put that together and determine, okay, this is what your top line revenue is going to look like. Here's what your total expenses are gonna look like, and this is what your EBITDA is gonna look like. So, um, and we can do it for two years or even three years. So that in a nutshell is pretty much your one page executive summary. And uh, if you have questions, please uh, write it down and we will answer at a later time. And with that, I will go ahead and hand it over to Julie, who will show you how to put all this together on a pitch deck and present it. Okay. Karen, is that showing? It's good. Is that showing the presentation or the, okay. All right, so pitch deck. So we've gone through a ton of stuff today. We've gone through financial stuff. We've gone through how do you do your brand development? Uh, you know, how do you summarize it all in an executive summary? So this actually digs down. If you take what you did on the Lean Canvas, which is a great place to start to get all your thoughts organized, and then you put together a one-page executive summary, this is the place that you would actually kind of go into detail on each one of those sections. So if you were going to actually sit down with 
a potential investor or with the bank to actually get some financing, this would be the presentation that you would use to actually do that. So let me go through. So um, first you have your, the, the first actual slide there is normally your company logo and your tagline and Karen already kind of went through all of that. So this is how uh, a good, how you, you want to start out as you introduce yourself. Um, so there's some, some development uh, guidelines here. Uh, there, most people use PowerPoint or Prezi. Um, Karen kind of alluded to it earlier, actually said it, brevity is really important. Use less words and, and use a lot of visual aids. People like to see graphs, charts, pictures, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. Um, and then also at the end of this uh, section, I'll go through the 16 essential elements, uh, which I think is really important. So um, one other thing, uh, a lot of people have these really cool PowerPoint templates and people always wonder where they get them from. You can actually get them for free. So go to Slide Carnival or slidescarnival.com. They have several free uh, PowerPoint um, templates there that you can use. Um, we use it all the time, so it's great. All right, so once you start with your actual logo, then you want to kind of go into your company purpose. So this would be get into maybe your mission, your vision, the purpose, um, things like that, just so you can kind of set the tone of what is it that you're trying to, to do with your organization. And then you want to actually state what is the current problem. So why is this even important? Um, I, I tell all of my uh, junior achievement students when we're teaching them entrepreneurship that as they think about solving today's problems, those are going to be the future companies that emerge. So go ahead and state your problem. Tell people why it's important. This is the moment to really kind of capture their attention. Um, and you know any statistics that can back up that problem, that's really important right there. Then I like to immediately jump into and how does your company product or service solve the problem that you just talked about? So I think this is really good right here. I also like to sometimes go into the timing of why now, uh, why would this solution be important um, in today's you know time frame? Um, so. This is just a great place. I think visuals on this slide are also really important. Then you want to actually jump into the actual product and or service. So this is a great place to show if you have a prototype or if you have some type of drawing or anything that uh, maybe the service, if you're providing services, maybe the process of what your uh, services are. This is a great place to just go through that, explain to them. You've already told them what the problem is. You've already told them how you're going to solve the problem. Now you want to actually show them how are you going to actually do that. And so give a good description there. But again, this is a place for lots of pretty pictures. Okay, this is an area that a lot of people, in my opinion, don't do enough research on. What is your actual market size? You need to share this with your audience, whether it's a banker, an investor, or just maybe potentially a customer. Um, what is your actual market size? If you haven't done this research, go out and do it. This is really important, and you need to make sure that you're very clear on what your actual target market is. Uh, the Lean Canvas kind of can help answer some of those questions and kind of narrow your focus down. 
but I think it's really important for you to understand what your market size is, um, and then also kind of maybe how you plan to reach that market. But I think right here, we really want to focus on, you know, if it's a medical device, how many of those procedures are done per year, or how many patients could it actually impact? Uh, you need those statistics right, right there. Okay, another thing in the startup um, kind of process, you know, as you're, you know, ramping up to actually launch the company, it's really important to get some validation and maybe even some traction. I think a lot of people don't do this part of it because they surround themselves with friends and family that just kind of are their rah-rah people and say, oh yeah, that's great, that's great, that's great. Uh, but going out and maybe doing a survey um, or going out and maybe kind of trying to validate your concept with people who aren't directly related to you or, you know, love you very much and are going to tell you that you're wonderful, uh, I think it's really an important part. And if you actually take the time to do this, SurveyMonkey is a great uh, free tool that you can send surveys out uh, to potential customers or people. Uh, it's good to be able to show that you've done that research because you want to be able to show that people are actually interested. Um, you know, you could have the best product or service, but if people aren't really willing to purchase it for the price that you have on it, then it's not really going to be very successful. So being able to show your validation and that you have some tra traction out there is really important as well. Okay, this is a slide that I think most people get very confused on. So what is the actual business model? In short, to answer this is how does the business make money? So this is a way to show a visual way that do you sell products? Okay, so if you sell 100 products, you make X dollars. Um, maybe it's a, uh, a license, I mean a software that you develop then you would actually have a licensing agreement uh, and you would get that soft revenue coming in from sales of the software. Um, if you're selling widgets, then it would be from that. Um, so it just depends, but this is the place where you need to actually explain to them, how do you make money? Um, so a lot of people get a little confused around what is a business model. So just a great way. And if for some, uh, and if you have multiple maybe business units or there's multiple companies involved, this is a good place to show a visualization of how it's all organized. Now, this is an area that has gotten really, um, you know, very, I think, popular and people are, I think, in today's world are very concerned about. So if you have some kind of community impact with your company, tell them, uh, be sure to, you know, explain that for every 10 products we sell, we're gonna donate a product or, you know, for, for every $1,000 we sell, we're gonna make a donation to a, a charitable cause um, or any other community impact, whether it be uh, to the environment or, you know, what other, other impact area. All right, marketing and growth. So we talked about who the customers were, but what, how are you gonna actually market to them and how do you plan to grow? Again, this is a place where you're kind of showing in the future what you plan to do. Um, I think that Gantt charts here are really important or maybe milestone charts. Uh, you can talk kind of a little bit about the history, um, about maybe the problem and the solution and why there's a need. But I think it's really important on this slide to show 
this is how we're going to reach that target market. And then this is our growth strategy going forward. So it lets people know that you actually have a plan and you've thought it through. And then to kind of echo what Karen said, um, one person is not a team. So it's really important for you to showcase who your team of rock stars are. Um, for example, you, on this slide, you got Lucy, that's the muscle, you got Mark at the brains, and then you've got Raquel doing the marketing. Uh, don't be afraid to have a little bit of fun with it uh, in a professional way, but this is really important. And it says list experience. You really want to explain to the audience why is this person on my team? Why did I bring them to into this group? What type of ex experience or expertise are they bringing to the table that's going to make us be successful? Okay, so in the last five years of vetting startup companies, one of the largest mistakes many people say is, oh, there is no competition for my product or service. I would say that 99.99% of the time, this is incorrect. There's always gonna be some type of competition. It may be a little bit different. Uh, it may have different features. It may not even fully solve the problem that, you, that your startup is solving, but there is some type of competition out there. So be sure to do your research and don't be afraid to list them there. It lets people know that you've done your homework. Uh, you know the challenges you face with that competition and that you want to be able to show how you're actually going to differentiate. So um, my personal opinion on this slide is I might lay it out a little bit different. I might show a few company logos, but then at the top, I would really give a, a good strong description of how you're going to differentiate from your competition. All right, and then to go into the portion that Jared talked about financials, this is the area where you, you need to show the numbers. Where, what is your break-even point? Um, you know, how much is it going to cost in startup? What are your ongoing operation costs? Um, if you need help with doing something like that, uh, accelerators like EAP, we're here to help and we, we really specialize in this area. So uh, this is kind of a daunting uh, area for a lot of people that are like, I don't really even know how to begin to do that. That's okay. Um, there are people like us out there that really can help you accomplish this put together some great charts and uh, some summaries of some financials to tell the story. Okay, so if your presentation is to a bank or to an investor, you wanna actually put the ask in there. Don't be afraid to put this in there because many of those folks that are listening are going, why are you wasting my time? What do you want from me? That's really the bottom line question. What do you want from me? This is your slide to say, I'm asking for this much money. Uh, here are the terms of that. Uh, if you need help putting together investment terms, again, EAP is here to help. Uh, Google is your friend, but be very careful uh, when you are putting investment terms together. You want to make sure that it's uh, not only a good investment for a potential investor, but also that it's a good deal for you as the founder. Uh, one other thing on investment terms, you want to probably have an attorney review those for you just, um, just to make sure that you're not getting yourself into a situation where you didn't think of something or you left something out. And, and you certainly, uh, those typically get entered into with legal agreements or legal documents. So you do want an attorney to review those for you. Uh, on this slide though, you're not going to list all the legal terms so much, but really just a summary. 
Okay, so if you're asking for $250,000, the next question is, all right, that you need $250,000 from me, now what are you gonna do with it? So this is a great, uh, to me, this is probably one of the cleanest ways to present that, uh, a pie chart that, that divides out the percentages into main bucket categories. Um, I think this is really critical. Um, you know, if you are a software, you're developing some type of software, it would make sense that the majority of your spend is going to be in research and development or the actual programming. Um, and then the marketing piece would also probably be the second largest because you're going to have to market that software. Uh, again, you're going to have, just think of this all the way through. As you put your financials together though, you should, you should be able to create a chart like this uh, based on your startup cost. And then at the end, I would put the company logo again, the tagline. Uh, be sure to put your contact information. So if you have a website, email address, a name, uh, and don't forget to thank them. I mean, that's a lot of things people get a little nervous uh, when they're presenting and they forget to thank the people. Uh, just thank them for their time and uh, be sure to ask them if they have any questions. So that wraps up the actual presentation. Uh, again, this is the 16 essential elements. I'll leave this up there for just a minute if you want to uh, either take a screenshot of it or, or write them down. But this is just a good thing to include these things in your presentation. Of course, you're going to adapt this depending on who the audience is. If it's a bank, uh, you know, they may be more interested in some of the financials, so you may have to get a little more detailed. And they may also be really interested in the market size. Uh, if it is an investor, they really may be more uh, interested on the use of funds and some of your future milestones and how you plan to achieve success. All right, Karen, that's, uh, that wraps up my section. Thanks, Julie. Jared, you good to go? Yep, I'm ready. All right, can you see my screen, Karen? I'm good? Okay, uh, I'll make this short and sweet. Um, I've got three main points, and they really tie back to the thing that we went over earlier, which is why small businesses fail. And so I'm gonna kind of attack those three things. So the first tip that I have for, for starting a business is remove the emotional connection that you have, your personal emotional connection that you have to your either product or service. And one of the reasons that you wanna do that is, uh, what you're really trying to do is determine, is this really a business or is it an idea or is it a product? So everybody thinks that their baby is the cutest. Everybody thinks that their baby is the smartest, but is your, is your idea, is it really a business? And the only way that you can really do that is to really remove that emotional side to it. And when you do that, um, I think we have a lot of people that come through and it's, it's a chef wants to open a restaurant or a hairstylist wants to open a salon or an IT guy wants to create an app. And the old adage of when, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Uh, just because if that's your skill set and you want to be a business owner doesn't mean that there's a need in the market for what you want to do. So if you take away that emotional piece and really take a step back and look at and say, is this something that the market needs? 
and are people willing to part with their money for it? I think a lot of people would save themselves some heartache. The second thing that I would say is however much money you think that you need to start a business, multiply it times two and a half or three. Um, because most businesses run out of money before they really get the chance to get true market adoption. And let's say that you do over, over fund or you, you, you're not undercapitalized and you do have plenty of money. Well, guess what? You've got money sitting there for uh, growth plans or to pay back debt early or to give your employees raises or, or, or you know, hey, yeah, you can actually make a little bit of extra money. But, um, you know, a lot of times people don't, don't have enough money. And, and, and when you don't have enough money, one of two things is going to happen, okay? You're either going to have to put in more money or you're going to have to close. And neither of those are, are two good options. So go ahead and overfund it on the front end and give yourself a lot of time and the best opportunity to succeed. And then the last point I'll bring up, which is, get a good mentor or surround yourself with a good team. And I don't mean, as Julie pointed out, I don't mean your cheerleader section. I don't mean your posse or your buddies or, your, or, or those type of people or your echo chamber just tells you how great it is. Find somebody that's either done what you want to do and they've already done it and have been successful, or maybe they've done it in another space and they can give you some good business tips and can help guide you along the way. Um, if you, if you're, if you're surrounding yourself with a team or partners, make sure that you get people that, that compliment you in areas where you're weak. Um, you know, if, if everybody is a finance guy or everybody's a marketer, um, you're not going to be very successful. A good team is built around strengths and weaknesses. I mean, if, if everybody's a quarterback, there's nobody to throw the ball to. And so surround yourself with a team that complements and helps you and fill in gaps where, where you're weak. And if you go back to those three things of why businesses fail, um, there's no market need for your product that's being unemotional and taking a really analytical and, and third party view of what your idea is or your business. Number two, running out of money, um, whatever you think you need, multiply it times a multiple that, that's higher than what you really need. And then surrounding yourself with mentors or a good team if you do that, um, you just wiped out about 60 to 70% of the reasons that, that, that startups or businesses fail. And so those are my tips. Um, I've failed. I've fallen down so many times. I've skipped my face up. But you just keep getting back up. You keep going. Um, but those are some ideas from the trenches on how to be successful. So uh, and, and enjoyed uh, being able to share those tips. And Karen, I, I think that's all I got on that one. Thank you. Okay, Dave, you can take it away. All right, thanks, Karen. Uh, thanks, everybody. Hey, I just wanted to wrap it up with, hey, if, if there's something that we said that you want to know more about, hey, please reach out to us. Uh, we're pretty easy to find, um, www.eapla.com. And I see Karen's got everything right there uh, for you. Just let us know, and we're happy to, you know, help you in any way that you can, that we can. Okay, great. Thank you guys. And um, 
we're here to help. So thank you. And thank you, Karen. And thank you, Jared, Dave, Julie. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. We really appreciate y'all taking the time out of your schedules to present this um, awesome session for us. I know there was a lot of knowledge gained in this session. Um, and I'm excited to share this with everyone who registered for the conference as well, um, who will get this in their inbox. And to all of my attendees, Thank you um, for attending today and don't forget about the bingo and our next breakout session will start tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. So thank you everyone. Bye.